We are ending our series today and right on the heels of Easter. Uh, so next week we'll start our Easter series. But uh, we're going to conclude our series today uh, entitled uh, Building Extravagant Givers. And so we really have been focusing this month on really uh, making our lives a conduit whereby we can impact others in a significant way, a conduit, if you will, for God through Jesus Christ. And so we've been talking about giving and what it really means and how I, I really do believe that as believers that we should be known as givers. And, uh, and that's it. I think that a, a Christian and being stingy shouldn't be in the same category. God has given us so much. And so, so we've been focusing in on what it really means to be a giver, uh, being an extravagant giver, not just a giver in the sense as the world sees it. We'll talk about it here in a moment. But, but, but in a sense that is out of this world kind of giving and a, a kind of giving that, is, uh, that captures attention, that, that points men back toward God. And so we kicked off the series talking about the joy of giving. We focused on that particular message on the fact that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And I think that many of us are really beginning to understand that and to see that, that I think that life's happiness sometimes is, is thwarted or, or at least interrupted because we are not focused on others. We're too much focused on ourselves. So, so God wants us to have joy in giving. He wants us to understand that it's more of a blessing, a blessing to give than to receive. Week two, we talked about the principle of the first. Um, we recognize that God is the owner of it all. And so we want to make sure that we're keeping God's interest first. And we have discovered and we talked about in that message that when we keep God first in our lives, in our resources, in our finances, whatever area of our lives, then things tend to fall in order. And so we covered that uh, quite extensively. And then last week we talked about extravagant faith. We understand that this whole journey is a faith walk. You know, the Bible says that the just shall live by faith. And we understand that there are going to be times that God is going to call us to give and God's going to call us to share in moments in time where it doesn't seem to make sense to our natural mind. But that's where our faith kicks in. It's like the women we talked about of Zarephath, how she had a little oil in a jar and, uh, and the man of God came and told her to, to give him some and share it. And it was when she did that, that she experienced a supernatural breakthrough. So we do understand that if we're going to be extravagant givers, then we got to have extravagant faith. We got to believe God. We got to trust that no matter what, that God is always going to provide for his people. God is faithful that way. He is always going to take care of his people. And so I want to conclude this series today. I want to talk about extravagant love. I want to talk about having extravagant love. You know, I really do believe the primary thing that Christians should be giving uh, to anyone is extravagant love. Mind-blowing love. The kind of love that is out of this world. The kind of love that people will sit back and say, wow, man, how do you love somebody that did you that way? How can you love somebody that treated you that way? How could you not hold bitterness and anger in your hearts? What is it about your life that you continue on and it seems like you just seem to, to keep loving no matter what? 
Church, I'm talking about extravagant love. And extravagant love always expresses itself in tangible ways. So I talk about love. I'm going to talk about love from a standpoint of giving. Because if we're going to be extravagant givers, we've got to be extravagant lovers. Let me explain to you why I say that. Because it's much easier to give when you truly care. Y'all, are y'all with me in that? That makes sense? So when you truly care about somebody, when you truly are, are loving them as Jesus would, then it is, it's so much more easier for, for God to be a conduit through your life for, for you to be able to release things and give because you have the love of God in your heart. And I really believe that there's absolutely no way to be impacted by God's love and, and, and not, not deep down within have this sense of you, you, you're a giver. Because how many know that the nature of God, the nature of Christ is that he's a giver. Jesus, if you will, he was known as a giver. Now, I want you to understand something because, you know, I do believe that in today's vernacular that uh, we throw the term love around uh, very loosely. Uh, and I really do believe that there's a deficit uh, in our world today, in our country, in our communities when it comes to what real love is. Because we understand that when you want to talk about what love is, you got to go back to God because God is the originator. He's the author of love. He understands God is the one that set love in motion. And so when we really want to understand love, we got to look at God. We got to look at Christ. And how many know that Jesus didn't just walk the earth and talked about how much he loved us? He talked about how he he loved, but he always talked about his love for us in the context of sacrifice. Always. So in other words, love must always be demonstrated. It is not enough to just simply say, I love you. But it's love, it's really love when that love is demonstrated. And um, give example, Jesus for an example. He demonstrated his love. You remember he fed the 5,000. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. So every time you saw Jesus walking along the way, doing whatever, he, he was always giving. Therefore, he was validating his love. It was his love that motivated Jesus to give. And I believe that it is our love for people, our love, first of all, for one another, as we are we going to cover that here in a moment, that that, that is going to open the gateway for us to be givers. And, and, and this is something that, and I don't even know how to fully explain it, but, but I do know this, that, that, that part of being born again is being radically changed where that old heart that was inside of you is no longer. Because you can't tell me you're a Christian and be comfortable walking in unforgiveness. You can't tell me you're a Christian and you're comfortable walking in bitterness. You can't tell me that because one thing that God does is he radically, he radically changes us from the inside out. So as we talk about this concept of love and what it really means, love then is going to open the floodgates. It's going to open up our ability to be able to give the way God wants us to give and thereby impacting the lives of so many other people, which is what we aim to do. First uh, Corinthians 16, 14, the passage, it says, let all that you do, be, uh, all that you do be done with love. When do you think about that? He says, let all yet you do. Everything that you do, every activity, everything you do, love must be foundational. 
In fact, you remember in, we're not going to turn there for uh, lack of time, but in 1 Corinthians, I believe chapter 13, uh, it's referred to as the love chapter. There you see Jesus, um, I'm, I'm sorry, the Apostle Paul was explaining uh, what love is. And he talked about, I believe in 1 Corinthians 13 and 14, he says, he says, how do you can do all these different things, but if we don't have love, then we are nothing. If love is not the motivation behind what we're doing, we're nothing. We are at best, we're shortchanging ourselves, we're robbing ourselves of the full measure of the blessing that we could have if we allow the love of God to flow through our hearts into the lives of others. And when the love of God flows in our hearts through the lives of others, it's going to be expressed in tangible ways. You're going to do something. You're not just going to say, I love you, but it's going to, people are going to know it. How many know if you have to keep saying all the time, I love you, there might be something wrong? <sighs> Let me see, refer to it another way. See, Jesus, Jesus, of course, he talked about love, but in actuality, if you really go back and look at how many times you can read in the gospel where Jesus actually said, I love you. I mean, there, there wasn't a whole bunch of that. It was more or less, you just knew he loved you. You knew he loved the people because of what he did. You, you knew, I mean, because of all the stuff he did, there was no question. The people knew. That's why they came running to him. They said, man, this guy, he's not like the Pharisees, you remember? He says, he's not like the Pharisees. He's not like the rest of them. This guy is different. He really cares because the Pharisees didn't care. They did not operate in love. In fact, they would put burden on people. They wouldn't even lift one finger to help. They were all about self-serving, and Jesus was the hardest on people that were self-serving, and the Pharisees was the pinnacle of selfishness. And some of us, we got to be careful because we come from an environment, and my wife was talking about this yesterday, that, that there's a lady that, that, that she knows that, 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 that she comes from an environment where, um, um, how can I say it, where, where, you know, kind of a hoarder. And I know that sometimes, because we think that sometimes, you know, the, I want you to understand that there's never a reason for any of us to be stingy. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? There's never a reason. So let's say if you're poor, you should be a giver. There, there's no reason. If you're a poor Christian, be, oh, I'm, I'm just, no, 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 no. Because we understand that God's grace is given to people that, 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 that just trust him. And, and, and so we're talking about this lady the other day, and, and it was it's amazing but just very selfish. So her whole life is just kind of like gathering things just for herself. And, and it's almost, it's so unhealthy. And I believe that sometimes as Christians, we, we, we're just, we, we're not seen as givers because we're trying to hoard too much of it for ourselves. And we don't fully understand that God wants us to give. God wants us to be a conduit because we all understand that the things of this world is passing away. It's temporary. Nothing here is going to last forever. So we want to make treasure in heaven. So how do we make treasure in heaven? Well, we start by giving. We start by relinquishing it all to God. So let's look at this thing, uh, love, because love is, that is the foundation. That is what's going to spring us into action to make us true givers. Because how many know when you love God? The Bible says uh, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your might, and all your strength. You know, when you love God that way, that's the first commandment. That's the one that we got. It has to stick then it makes everything else so much easier. So in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 11, 
and read a couple verses here. And it just really kind of talks about John. John is, is, is one of the disciples. If you read the Gospel of John, the same John that wrote the Gospel of John is the same John that wrote the epistles of John. 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. And if you read 1 John in particular, and even if you read the Gospel of John, you see a theme with John. John was such, a, he, we, they like to refer to him as a disciple of love. Because he was the one who was always kind of leaning on Jesus' chest and just always just loving Jesus and just enjoying him. And then if you look in, in 1 John over and over again, you see this theme that John is saying over and over again. Love each other. Love each other. God is love. Love, love, love. Everything that John talks about in 1 John, you don't have to take my word for it. He is just intoxicated with this whole idea of love. Because I believe that John got the revelation that it is love that is the catalyst to effective ministry. It is love that opens a door for those who are in walking in darkness to be able to see the light. It is love that frees people out of the, out of the, 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 the dungeon of sin that they're in. It is love. And so John, he gets this revelation and he says, and he says some pretty radical things. I know we read it a lot. We look at this verse and if we're not careful, we'll just kind of miss it sometimes. But, but, but here's what he says. He said, now, beloved, let us love one another. Now, John is addressing this particular book to Christians. All right. He's addressing it to believers. He says, let us love one another. So the call is first that he want us to love each other, extravagant love, extravagant giving, extravagance begin with our commitment to love one another. So John says, let us love one another. Well, here's the question. He says, now why? Why is John, John, why are you driving this point? What is it about this thing that you keep talking about love? John says, because love is of God. God is. This is where love comes from. This is where love originates from. And we are born of his nature. We have God's seed down on the inside of us. So as God walked in love, his children are supposed to walk in love. He said, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone who loves, watch this, is born of God. So here's what John is really saying. He's saying for those that understand this particular passage, that those that understand this, this love, for those who have come to Christ, for those who are born again, they are compelled to love. And he seems to indicate that if a person claims to be born again, and, 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 but, but he's not loving, then that person is really not right with God. Because he goes on to say, he who does, in verse number eight, he who does not love. Now, John is taking this very seriously. Look at this verse. Don't listen to pastor. Look at the verse. He who does not love does not know God. In other words, don't have a relationship with God. You don't even understand who God is. A person, and this is, this is why we got to be careful, because John is addressing this to believers and how that we need to love one another. And, and there are some Christians, y'all know what I'm talking about because some of you have been saved for a little while, but some of us are comfortable enough with not loving one another. Some of us, sometimes we wear not loving other people, other Christians even, we wear it as a badge of honor because they got all these problems and they got this. And, and, and so we sometimes, in a very, very cavalier way, we are okay with not walking in love. And here's the thing. 
<clears throat> when we really begin to um, understand Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us, we understand that Jesus, that God's love is unconditional. That God's love is not predicated upon whether or not people do it all right. Because here's the thing, nobody does it all right, and God still loved us. Look at, this is 1 John chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. I'm going to keep driving this point home. He says, but whoever had this world's good, look at this, and sees his brother in need. So here's what John is trying to say. John really here is, is striking at something. He's saying, okay, here's the deal. You, are, you all are believers. God has called you and brought you and left you into the earth. So that you can be witnesses. So he says, now, here's the thing. So if you're going to make an impact, if you're going to be able to be effective and communicate who I am, and if you're going to be effective in sharing this mission, this love, then, then, then we got to love each other. He said, it starts with us. That's why, he's, that's why he's driving it home. He's saying that we got to be masters of love because our God, it, our God lives on the inside of us. And he says, but whoever had this world's goods and then see his brother is in need. Look at this church and shut up his heart from him. He says he, he's got a very logical question. He says, how in the, the world can you say that God's love lived down on the inside of you? If you know that you have a brother or a sister that have need and you have the capacity to help and you don't. John makes the argument here. He says, how can you then say the love of God is inside of you. Then he goes on to say something that we've been saying that's kind of setting the, the, the temple for this message. He says, let us not love in word or in tongue. That is, let us not love in word or in tongue, but look at this, but in deed and truth. So that's what he's getting at. So he's really saying that true love, that real love is expressed in deeds or truth. Something that we are doing. Jesus even said it further as we are still talking about um, his love and the, the fact that we need to love each other. He says that this is my commandment that you love one another. It's a commandment. We don't have a choice. We can't wake up morning, morning, morning. We can't say, oh, well, today I don't love Brother Edwin because he get on my nerve. I hate his guts. I can't say that I don't uh, love Sister Crystal. Or the, I, I, you know, because they treated me wrong. They weren't nice to me. Um, here's, here's the thing. How many know a commandment is a commandment? And Jesus said, watch this. He said, this is my commandment, which means it's not an option, that you love one another. Now, how do you love one another? He says, and here's, here's the thing, because this makes it really hard. He says, you love one another as I have loved you. <laughs> it's like, seriously, Jesus? You know, we would like it better if he said, love uh, one another as they love you. In other words, if they don't love you the way they should love you, then you have the authority to, to do it exactly the way they do it back. No, he says, no. Jesus raised the standard. He says, I want you to love everybody else, watch this church, the same way that I love you. So he says, now when you think about love, when you talk about love, it ain't even so much about what they did or what they don't do. It's about our calling to walk in his love. And when we walk in his love, it transcends whether or not people respond to us in the way that we like or they don't. God's love has nothing to do with what other people. How many know that if Jesus' love was totally predicated upon the way that people treated him, he'd have probably got up off that cross. 
Am I right about it? Think, I mean, he was up on that cross, and those are people out there. All Jesus ever did was good. And they, just, and they hung up on the cross, and they said, man, if you, who, if you are who you say you are, come down off the cross. They spit on him. They mocked him. They said, and, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. He loved them, and he stayed up there. And, and get this, church. And he, and listen, he was on such another level of love. He was totally oblivious to all the hateful things that they were saying about him. He didn't let that move him because he was so connected with God. He was so walking in love. And let me tell you something, church. When we kind of walk, we begin to walk in that kind of love. Listen, listen, people can't change us. If people change you, if you're one of those that say that they changed me, then, then you, you missed the whole point. They just brought out of you something that is already inside of you. You should be transformed from within through the blood of Christ. And sometimes what people do is people exacerbate. In other words, something that's already there. How I many of you thought you were in one place here and there? And all of a sudden, man, you had a moment. It's like, man, I didn't know that was still inside of me. <laughs> it was still there. Just that the right person happened to come along and hit that nerve. And bam, you're like, oh, sister, so-and-so, brother, what, what was that about? It was there because we're not allowing ourselves to be fully transformed in the way that we need to be transformed. And so Jesus wants us to love others as he loved us. Now let's look at um, a couple of verses on how Jesus then demonstrates his love. Because this is important as, it, as we understand love because we got to think of it in the context of not as the world thinks about love. The Bible says, and this is love, not that we loved God. None of us really came seeking after God. We didn't really love God. God was loving us. He came to us. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation. That word propitiation simply means payment for our sin. So here's what I want you to understand. So God demonstrated his love. Here it is by sending his son. All right. So we see that love produced an action. The action produced salvation. Love produced an action. Because now I know you love me because of what you did. Not just what you said. Gee, God sent his son. God didn't just sit there from heaven and say, hey, I love all y'all people. I hope y'all can do your best to get to heaven. I mean, I, I know y'all done messed up bad. I mean, Adam and Eve got you in a world of mess, you know, and I'm hoping and I'm, 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 I'm praying by myself because there's nobody greater than me. I'm just hoping that y'all can somehow figure out how to get up here by yourself. How many of you are glad that he didn't love us like that? That's not love. No, what, what he did was he came down. He sent his son. He chased after us. Church, this is the good news. How do we know that extravagant love is manifested in what we do? Romans 5 says, but God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Extravagant love does not wait for people to get it together. Christ did not wait for you to get it together. Christ did not wait for you. You ever talk to folks sometime and they tell you, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come to church. I'm going to get right with God. I just got to fix a couple things. You ain't going to ever fix a couple things because he died for you while we were in the middle of our sin or while we were in the pinnacle of our sin. Christ died. So when we think about extravagant love, extravagant love is not waiting for people to do right. Some of us, we got to learn how to love people even when they ain't doing right. 
some of us got to learn it at home. We got to learn how to love our kids, even when our kids ain't doing right. Y'all with me this morning? We got to learn. We got to learn. We got extravagant love just says, you know, I know you messed up. I know I'm still going to love you anyway because God's love live on the inside of me. So there's nothing that you can ever do that's going to cause me not to love you. Do y'all realize today that even today that Jesus still love his enemies? The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave. And the world was not seeking after him, and yet he gave. That's amazing to me. And yet he gave. And so what we see then, that, that in God so loving the world, then watch this, church. Extravagant loves, watch this, extravagant love initiates. It initiates. I really believe that God wants us to be the great initiators. Instead of sitting back just saying, man, I, I hope people figure out I love them. I hope they know I care about them. I mean, you know, we are sitting here at 75 Monkey Lane. Hope they figure it out. They see our sign out there. We really love them. No, I want you to understand something here. That real extravagant love, it always initiates. It initiates. You know, my, my wife was having a situation with somebody in her training, and I, I said to her, I said, I said, baby, you, you know, and this person's, you know, got some issues, but but I, I said to my wife, I said, here's the deal. I said, you have to initiate God's love. Don't wait for other people. See, don't let other people dic dictate the terms of your faith. Are you hearing me? Don't let other people dictate the terms of your attitude. You walk in the love of God and you be the one to set the pace. I'm going to listen. Even though you don't want to speak to me, even though you don't want to talk to me, I'm going to initiate and I'm going to say, good morning. How are you doing in Jesus name? My wife would tell me the other day, Mark said, I keep speaking to her and she don't want to speak. And I said, that's okay, baby. You still walk in the love of God. Why? Because that's called extravagant love. See, extravagant love is not, listen, not about what that person do. How many know that we're all responsible for how we live our life before God? So watch this. Listen. If people want to mistreat me, they don't want to respect me, they don't they want to, I'm still going to take the initiative and love them. Why? Because I'm called to love extravagantly. And God has called all of us to love in that way. Jesus, for another way, and I, I got to jump, but, you know, and, and I don't have time to read it. But you remember in John chapter 13, another way that Jesus demonstrated his love, the Bible says in John chapter 13 that Jesus knew that the father had given everything into his hands. He understood his mission. He understood who he was. And, and, and he said right before he got ready to die and go back to be with the father, the Bible says he loved them. In fact, I'm going to read a little bit of this. I, I don't want to read a lot. It, 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 John, this is John chapter 13, verses 1 and 9, just as a reference point. But I'm just going to look at a couple of verses here. It says, um, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come and that he should depart from the world uh, to the father, having loved his own, Having loved his own. Here it is. He having loved his own. He loved his own. I want you to get it. He knew who he was. He was getting ready to part, depart this world. He was getting ready to go back and assume all of his glory. He knew all of that. And the Bible says he loved them own. That, he loved his own that, who were in the world. And then he says, and he loved them to the end. But Jesus wanting to send a message. He, at this particular moment, that's why the passage is wanting us to it's bringing us into this moment. He's saying that Jesus, here's what he's bringing us into the thought process of Jesus and why he did what he was about to do here. The Bible says at that moment when Jesus began to realize who he was 
and, the, and, and, and what was going to happen and his sacrifice that was pending. He, he, the Bible says that he grabbed the towel and he rose up after supper, took his garments and he girded himself and he began to wash the disciples' feet. Now, I want you to understand something, church. Jesus had already been demonstrating his love, but it is, is as if he was saying, he said I, he loved them to the end, but he was saying, you know what? I really want to show them how much I love them. I really, I really want them to understand what it means. I want to leave an impression with them that will stick. I want to do something so that whenever they think about me, whenever they think about love, they will think about this moment outside of him obviously dying on the cross. But in this moment right here, Jesus gets down and he washed the disciples' feet. Now, you know, in, in that day's culture, you know, those who were greater, they did not wash the feet of the lesser. This just, just didn't happen. Feet washing wasn't a very popular thing to do. It wasn't then, it, you know, it's not today. It's not something that people get up in the morning and say, oh, today I'm going to go wash some feet. Uh, nobody does that. And, uh, but, but Jesus, he, he washed the disciples and Peter didn't get it. Peter said, oh, what are you doing? Seriously, you are the Lord of glory. And all Jesus was trying to do was Jesus was trying to let them know, I love you so much that I'm willing to humble myself. You see, extravagant love is always humble. Extravagant love, will, will listen, it sacrifices. Extravagant love will go into the, the it would go into the, the dark places. It would go into the low places, if you will. Extravagant love is willing to sacrifice. Extravagant love doesn't really care. And, and here in this moment, Jesus, all he cared about was showing them how much he loved them. And that stuck with them. And when Peter got the revelation, Peter said, Lord, don't just wash uh, my, my head, but just you know, my feet. He said, wash, uh, wash all of me because he then understood what it really mean. And Jesus was communicating this to him and to all of them that true love is about sacrifice and it's about giving. That's all it's about. It's about giving. We're going to be extravagant givers when we learn how to be extravagant lovers. Now, let's focus on this verse for a moment as we're getting ready to wind this down. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and 48. Jesus really does explain in good detail about uh, uh, what it means to demonstrate love to outsiders. Because in actuality, this is what it's all about. Really, I mean, you really think about it. This is... Everything about this particular verse in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and 48, it's about trying to reach other people. It's about loving other people extravagantly enough to where people will be like, wow. Now look at Jesus says here. He says, he introduces a concept. We read it and we're used to hearing it. You used to hear me preach on it. Others preach on it. And after a while, it's like we just get used to it. But if you really think about it, when Jesus gave the, this particular message, which was part of this Sermon on the Mount, this was earth-shaking when he said this. Because everything that they ever heard all the way up to this particular moment, everything that they heard was totally different. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. He said, you've heard that. How many parents have told your kids? Come on, be honest. If they hit him, if they hit you, hit him back. Come on, let me see a show of hands. Everybody ever said that? Look, <laughs> look at y'all. Shame on y'all. Shame. You ought to know better in Jesus' name. Jesus said, you've heard them talking. You've heard mom and daddy say that. <laughs> you've heard that you shall love your neighbor. 
In other words, love those that do you right. They do you right, man? Cool. Jesus, he said, you've heard, you heard it say, hate your enemy. In other words, man, my enemy hit me. Hit me, I'm going to hit him back. I'm going to go after my enemy. My enemy try to hurt me, I'm going to hurt him back. It's all out war. Jesus is introducing here a whole radical concept. This is extravagant love. He says, but I say to you, here it is. This is authority speaking. Jesus, I know what that means. They told you. I know what you heard. But he says, but I say to you right here, right now, love your enemies. What? <laughs> love your enemies? Jesus, that doesn't even make sense. My enemies, don't you understand? My enemies are against me. My enemies, they don't like the gospel. My enemies, they hate me. My enemies want God out of school. My, my enemies don't want anything to do with You want me to love them? Jesus says, yes. Yes. He says, love your enemies. But then he goes on to say, bless those who curse you. <laughs> I, can go, I can go a whole lot of ways with that, but I'm going to be nice. Bless those who curse you. And then here's what he says. Do good. Everybody say do. do. There it is. So he's saying, here's what he's saying now. Watch. He's saying now, I want you to love your enemies. But, but well, how do we know you gonna love, how do we really know we love your enemies? How do we really know? Do we really know you love your enemies just because you look at your enemy and say, I love you? You think that's really love? You really know you love your enemies by doing something. You remember we said before, the love always produces an action, and an action will ultimately lead to salvation. Look at this, church. He says, do good to those, watch this, who absolutely, unequivocally hate you. Everybody say, that's extravagant. <laughs> now, look, everybody say, I need God's grace for that. Yeah. You, 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 you got to tap into the supernatural love like this. But this is, see, when people, I marvel at people say to me, yeah, baby, man, I want to, you know, and I laugh at folks sometimes because, you know, I've been walking walk the Lord for a long time. So you hear people, I want to, Lord, anoint me. How many of you ever asked God to anoint you? Come on, raise your hand. Let me, come on, come on. Come on, come on, be honest. Say, so, Lord, fill me with your anointing, you know. You know what your disciples said to Jesus? They said, Jesus, the two disciples, the two, I think it was John and somebody else. And they, Lord, we want to sit on your right hand and on your left. We, we, want, to, we want that high place. And, and Jesus says, can you look at him? He said, can you need drink from the cup that I'm going to drink from? <laughs> do, do, y'all don't even, do you know what you're really asking me? Do, do you know when you say, Lord, use me? Do you, how many ever, let me, let's just show a hand. How many of you have ever said, Lord, use me? Come on. Oh, Right? Let me ask you a question. Do you know what you're really asking? Because if I read the book correctly, man, he used a lot of people. He, he used Job, didn't he? Yeah, the brother said, uh, right? <laughs> he used the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul spent a little time in jail, didn't he? He used John the Baptist, didn't he? What happened to John? What was, his, what, what was his fate? That's right. Head chopped off. Is he? Lord, use me, God. God, whatever you want to do. Lord, I'm yours. And people say that and they don't even have a clue of what they're really saying. 
Because see, you understand something. The anointing is given to you to walk in the supernatural. That means cut against the grain of what is natural and normal. So when I say, God, I want the anointing, I'm saying, God, I want to, here's what I'm really saying. God, I want to be, I want the capacity to love my enemies. And God, I want a capacity. I want to be able to bless these people to curse me. And God, I want to be able to, the ones that despitefully use me and hate me, I want to be able to love them, God. Anoint me for that. I don't hear people praying for that too often. I hear people say praying for God to give them a blessing, to give them a house, to give them a healing, to give them a car. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But how many, how many know every now and then it's good to pray, Lord, give me the grace to love my enemy. God, give me that. Anoint me for that. But that is where the supernatural grace of God comes, church. That's all he's saying. He says, now, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who use you and persecute you. I mean, Jesus got a way of saying stuff, right? It just, in the flesh, it just get on my nerves. Can I be honest? I mean, Jesus, he could have just left with that love your enemies, right? He could have left them. He'd have been fine. But now he got to go into Bless them and curse you. All right, Jesus, this is good. All right, stop. Then he says, oh, by the way, and do good to those who hate you. All right, Jesus, oh, I got the point. Oh, no, no, and by the way, and pray for those that spitefully use you and persecute you. Okay, Jesus. It's like he is wanting us to get this. He says, watch this, that you may be the sons of your father in heaven. See, this is extravagant love right here. He says, see, when you love like this, when we give love like this, church, we are going to, people are going to take note and people will say, okay, okay, what's up with you? Why are you doing this? All I've been doing ever since you came to this place, I've been trying to make your life miserable. I've been talking about you. I've been hating on you. I've been trying to sabotage your career behind your back and you don't even realize. I, I, you know, I've never done anything good. Why is it that you still love me? Because you're anointed. <laughs> because you're anointed to do it. And God, and listen, and you understand. And so when, when he says that, that you'll be the sons of your, your, your father, all it's simply saying is you identify, God is saying you identify with me when you love this way. You identify with me and thereby you now, because you love this way, you will have the capacity now to be able to affect other people's lives in a way that they may fall on their knees and say, what must I do to be saved? Verse 46, if you love those who love you, look at this church, what reward have you? <laughs> he says, basically, even tax collectors and unbelievers do that. They, they all love each other. He said, he said but, but you're different in that you love when it's hard. You love when they don't even love you. And see, when you have this kind of extravagant love, you remember I said before? Let me tell you something. Giving then is not a problem. You give, man, you give a lot. You give a lot because you love them, because you're walking in the love of God. And he says, therefore, be perfect just as your father is perfect. In other words, be like your daddy. Let's make our God proud by loving extravagant. This is extravagant love. Matthew chapter 5, that verse right there, man, that's extravagant love. You can't, this, that is love outside of this world. But, but I guarantee us, and I can say this on the authority of God's word, that if we adopt this principle, and it doesn't, and listen, and it's not just words that we read on a page, but it is being manifested in our lives, you will see the power of God like you've never seen it before. In closing, 
I'm going to give this concluding thought. This is what Jesus says. And this is, uh, turn everybody to Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 through 8. Look at this verse. This is concluding thought as we conclude in our series about extravagant giving. We talked about extravagant faith. We talked about uh, extravagant, the joy of living, extravagant joy of giving, I'm sorry. The principle of the first, extravagant faith, now extravagant love. Now look at this verse. Jesus says now, this is a wonderful verse, great way to conclude the series. Jesus says now, as you go, I want you to understand something, as you go. So watch this church. Our love and who we are as Christians, it needs to reflect wherever we go. He says, as you go. So as you go to work, as you go to the supermarket, as you go to an activity, as you go to the movies, as you go to the mall, as you go to the concert, as you go on vacation, as you go to Disney. I had to throw that in there. As you go, watch this, as you go. In other words, God want us, he want us to, he want his life to be manifested through us everywhere that we go. So this is not a Sunday thing. This is not as we go to church on Sunday. This is as we go every place. As you go, here's what he want us to do. As we go. In other words, this is a lifestyle. This is embedded in who you are. This is who we are. This is what we do. It's how we live. As you go, he said, as you go, here's what I want you to do. Preach. As you go, wherever you go, preach. Everybody say preach. He said, I mean, it's simple. He said, preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, tell people about Jesus. Tell people about the coming judgment. Tell people that Jesus loved them. Preach. And he said, now, as you go, as you preach the kingdom of God's hand, here's what I want you to do. I want you to heal the sick. I want you to cleanse the lepers. I want you to raise the dead. I want you to cast out demons. Why? He says, because freely you have received. Here it is. He said, now, freely give. How many of you would say today, Pastor, I receive a whole lot of good from God's hand. Come on, church. Come on. You, you, I mean, God has blessed us, man. I'm telling you. Can we give Jesus a hand clap of praise? I mean, I mean, he, he has blessed us. I'm telling you, he has blessed us, right? I mean, he has blessed us, like, amazingly. I mean, God has done stuff that we've seen, not seen. But he says, now, so you freely receive. He said, now, all that good stuff that God has done in your life, he said, freely go give it out. He said, you're free to receive. Now, freely be a giver. Go out and give love. Go out and give joy. Go out and give to people. Give of your time. Sacrifice. Love people. Love that, pardon the expression, love the hell out of people. Y'all hear me? Do y'all understand what I mean? Love the hell out of people. Love them extravagantly. Love them in such a way that they say, wow, wow. You freely receive all that love, all that goodness, give it back. God expects us to give. And if we do these things, church, we will truly be the extravagant givers that God has called us to be. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your word.